Can we just let the online family hear you right now? Come on, we can do better than that. Online, we love you. We're so glad you're joining us here today. Um, it hits different when you're online. You're like, you know what? Online is where it's at, right? So if you're in the chat, go ahead and drop an emoji, a thumbs up, a clap or something because uh, you're not just watching church. You're engaging in church, even if you're behind the screen. And we, we value that. It's a big deal for us here today. Well, as you can see on the screen uh, behind me or just in general here, we are jumping into a new series here at Walk Church that is really a continuation from our previous series through the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has become one of my favorite books in the Bible. There's, there's so much treasures that are found in this book. It's on the left side of your Bible. It's in the OT, the Old Testament. And I believe God would have a word for you through this book here today. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. They're like, this, this little section right here is hungry today. I like it. Come on. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat, let's eat from the word today. Father, I just thank you so much. Um, how great you are, God. God, you are great and greatly to be praised. So, Lord, today we do, we do ask you for an encounter. We do ask you for a word. And we do ask you for wisdom. And, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't approach your word loosely today, but that this would actually be a moment where we hear from you. And we don't just deceive ourselves in hearing, but we actually do it. That, God, you would give us something today to put into action. Here, come on, everybody, say this prayer with me. Just say, Lord, Lord put me in the game. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, it's yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. We got to be game ready. Amen. <laughs> right? Um, but I'm so grateful for this word um, because I just know that it's the word of God that drives us. It's the word of God that, that fuels us. You know, the, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of God remains the same, amen? Like the Rams may win, the Bengals may win. But here's what I know, the word of God is gonna stay the same, all right? We're gonna find our hope today, our identity today, our, our, pa our passion, our power, our, our, who we are in him today as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if this is your first time here with us at Walk, uh, we do welcome you and are so glad that you made it. So let me go ahead and give us some context for where we've been so that we can land on where we are and then go forward. If you got all that, say, I got it. Got it. And just so you know, the word amen, just, that, that's like a very churchy way of saying, like, yeah, I agree. All right? So if you agree with something or you're feeling something and you drop an amen, that just means, like, yeah, I agree. I'm with that. I'm for that. Like, I, we want you to be free here at Walk Church. So there's going to be some speaking back, some engagement. Sermons here are less of just a monologue, a talking head at you. They're more of a dialogue between me or the person communicating and us, all right? So we in it together, amen? amen. Are, we all, are we ready? Yes. Okay, I love it. Praise God. Nehemiah chapter one. I want us to look at the first four verses to show us where we've been, set us up for where we're going, all right? The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Jumping down to verse 11, now I was the cupbearer to the king. What I want to do is just 
kind of set the stage for what has happened. Maybe this is your first time learning about Nehemiah, visiting this book. Maybe this is a refresher for you. But as you look at the first four verses in verse 1, he, he sets the stage for us. The author of this book is the man himself. Nehemiah is writing to us. He talks about where he came from, and he talks about in the month of Chislev. And many believe that that was around October or November-ish in the Jewish calendar year. The 20th year, as he was in Susa the Citadel, a foreign pagan land, right? The Israelites had been taken over by the Babylonians. The Babylonians had taken over the Assyrians. And this foreign pagan group of individuals who were hungry for war took over God's chosen people, his Israelite people, and exiled them from their homeland into different places like Susa, the Citadel, and all around the Middle East. Then Han and I, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerned Jerusalem. I just, I like to, I'm a visual learner. Anybody else like me? You used to just get the book and look for the pictures? I'm an imaginative learner. I got to put myself in the story. Like right now, I'm visualizing a movie in my head, all right? I want you to see Nehemiah here in this foreign land. He's exiled. He's ripped from his home in Israel, in Jerusalem. He's ripped away from his family, the people of God. He's exiled into a foreign land. He's given a secular job, if you want to use that language, where he's serving the king named Artaxerxes as the cupbearer. And one day, while he's at work, he notices his brother shows up. And I just see his brother kind of straggling, like, with like he's all dirty. He got in a fight with a bear. He smells bad. That's how I envision it. And he's got a couple people with him. And Nehemiah's like, yo! And Hannah and I's like, yo! Do y'all see the moment? Come on, you got to feel the moment. And Nehemiah goes, hey, yo, Hannah and I, it's so good to see you. I've been missing you. And he's got some people with him. He goes, the homies are here too. Shout out to the homies, Jabber. <laughs> Sorry. And, and here's what happens. He begins to ask them questions. Hey, how's everybody doing? How's my family? How's my friends? How's the Jews who escaped? I know some people made it out, but not everybody made it out. Who survived? Who didn't survive? Like, at this point, they didn't have the fake Facebook. I almost called it fake book. Facebook. <laughs> They didn't have the Facebook thing where you could be like, Nehemiah, marked, safe from the exile. You ever get those notifications? This person was saved from the tornado. They didn't have that. This was the Facebook update right here. Hanani shows up in this land. How's everybody? Verse 3, they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. We don't know all of what that meant, but... It was troubling, and it was shameful, the state of the people that Nehemiah knew as family and friends. How about the wall, the precious wall of Jerusalem that was built and constructed for the glory of God to set apart the land as this chosen people? How's the wall of Jerusalem? Well, it's broken down. Well, how about the gates, the gates of Israel that have been constructed to resemble certain things that God had put together to demonstrate his glory. The gates have been destroyed by fire. This is a sobering message. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Have you ever just got some bad news where you're just like, hold on, wait, what? 
wait, well, I was not expecting that. This is where Nehemiah is at. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. The thing that I just want to show you really quick, because I, I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to put the character of Nehemiah under a microscope and be able to extract some leadership lessons from him. Can we do that? Can we look at Nehemiah, this great kingdom man of God that we read about in the Bible, and say, okay, how can we learn from you today? One thing that I want to learn from Nehemiah is that it's okay to not be okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I love the transparency here. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down. Sometimes it's okay to sit down, Christian brother or sister. You don't always have to be the savior of the world. In fact, you're not. You, you have a savior. His name is Jesus. You are not him. And that's a good thing. That's a good time to say amen, right? So you don't have to be somebody else's savior. Right? Praise God for the savior. As soon as I heard these words, he goes, you know, I got to take a seat. Because I'm burdened. In fact, not only that, but he began weeping and mourning, not just for a moment, but for days. I want you to just see the transparency, the authenticity, the struggle, the burden that's inside Nehemiah. The reason why I want to pause and just look at that for a second is because too often, those who associate with Christian faith are oftentimes carrying a reputation for being fake. Can I just be honest with you? Most people outside of this school would see Christians to be fake people because we don't do this enough. We tend to always kind of puff our chests up. We can make it. We got it. We're strong. But friend, I'm just here to tell you it's okay to sometimes cry. Godly people cry. Amen. Sometimes you got to just take a break and sit down and just take a breath. Sometimes you got to just say, you know what, I need to go into a season of prayer and fasting for days. And brother, sister, that is okay. Transparency is power. Come on, say it with me. Transparency is power. I think if we can be a little more transparent this year, we'll be a little more powerful this year. Like the world sees Christianity oftentimes as fake and In fact, there's probably some people in your own row that sees people in your own row as fake and hypocritical. But what I want to do is say, hey, flip the script. And mind you, just the very fact that you're here at church today, you're already winning. Right? Like some of the people that I tend to to struggle with the most are people like, man, you know, I ain't going to church because those people are fake. I'm like, well, what are you? You ain't even going. At least we're going. We're getting better. We're growing, amen? Like, yeah, I don't got it all together. That's why I'm here. So be encouraged. You're in the right place, but don't feel like you have to be perfect. Don't feel like you have to be the one who's got it all together. Some days you're going to come in here, and you're going to have it all together. You got your coffee beforehand. You even got here five minutes early. You gave some high fives. You smiled at some people. Some days you're going to get here ten minutes late, upset with everybody. You just made it. Praise God you made it, amen? You don't got to come in here being somebody that you're not because God already knows who you are and he loves you the same. So I just want to, I want to take that principle from Nehemiah. Don't feel like you got to be who you're not. Don't feel like you have to be somebody who always has to be the hero. Friend, we have a greater hero and his name's Jesus. We can go to him. But that's the state of where we left off last season. 
Um, as you look at this verse, right, verses 5 through 10, you'll find the content of Nehemiah's prayer. If you ever just want to study a prayer in the Bible, study Nehemiah's in Nehemiah 1. Right? It says he began praying to the God of heaven, and then it records the actual depth of his prayer. It's poetic. It's challenging. It's convicting. I actually preached, I think, three or four sermons just on the prayer itself. If you want to go revisit those, walkchurch.com or hit the app. And then it leaves off, now as the cupbearer to the king. I want to talk to you just a little bit about the significance of that last phrase, verse 11. Nehemiah letting us know his occupation. I was the cupbearer to the king because I believe knowing the context behind the person will help you learn from him today. Let me give you just a little bit of context. Because we don't necessarily have cupbearers in place as much as we would in this day and age, in this ancient time. The cupbearer was somebody who was reliable. The cupbearer was somebody who was trustworthy. The cupbearer was somebody who had great character and great integrity and great loyalty. Why? Because the cupbearer was the person who tasted the food, tasted the drink before it ever made it to the king. So if it was gonna kill somebody, it was gonna kill the cupbearer first. So on one hand, this is a risky position to be in. On the other hand, this is an awesome position to be in because you get to try and eat and drink everything first. This is the place that Nehemiah is in. What I want us to do is ask the question, why is Nehemiah in this position? There's got to be something that he's doing that, that triggers something for King Artaxerxes to say, you know what, instead of inviting one of my Babylonian homies to be my cupbearer, I want to have a godly man be my cupbearer. I wanna, I wanna associate myself around somebody who's trustworthy, who has character. This is what Nehemiah is doing at this stage of life. And I believe that there's some principles that if we can just look at Nehemiah under the microscope, we can dig out. You know, as a preacher of God's word, what, oftentimes what I'll do, as an expositor, I'll, I'll, I'll look at the scriptures. I'll look at it, I'll step away from it, I'll think about it. I don't got nothing, let me look at it again. Didn't really catch anything. Let me, Lord, is there something you want to show me? And I'll look at it again. And sometimes in just doing that, the process of looking at God's word, it gets a little clearer. Like, I want to encourage you to look at the book. Like, if you read something in the Bible and it doesn't really hit you, read it again. Read it again. There was actually a story that I once heard about uh, a, a teacher who one day um, introduced his class to this fish in a fish tank. And he said, okay, I'm gonna give this individual two minutes. He's gonna go, he's gonna look at this fish in the fish tank, he's gonna write down everything that he gets out of the fish tank. He looks at it, he stares at this fish for two minutes, he writes down, uh, it was blue, it was in water, and uh, there were some little pebbles at the bottom, and it was swimming. All right, two minutes is up, this is all that I got. And then the next day the teacher said, I want you to do it again. The next day he looks at it, He's like, ah. And he started noticing new things. The next day he came to class, he goes, the teacher said, I want you to do it again. He pulls his journal out. He starts noticing different things. Next day, the teacher says, I want you to do it again. And before you knew it, this guy had five pages of the same thing that was happening in the fishbowl. And he said, if I only would have just given it those two minutes, I'd miss so much that I never even saw. The Bible is a lot like that. Friend, I want to encourage you. In this story of Nehemiah, we're going to look at it, we're going to look at it again. We're going to look at it, 
then we're going to look at it again. And I believe that you're going to see some things in this book that's going to help you. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. Here we go. Let's go into chapter 2. Jumping into chapter 2. Now, it was in the month of Nisan. This is about four months later. So most scholars believe that the month of Nisan compared to Chislev was about four months later. This is right around February of the calendar year. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the cup and gave it to the king. Took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. Verse 2. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad? When the city, the place where my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Verse 7, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me, to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortresses of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I had asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Are you there? Are you in the story? Are you in the setting? So I want, I want you to see what happens here. Leadership examples to follow. Let's look at verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 2. Here's what he says. It's in the month of Nisan, four months later, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. I, I highlighted a few phrases here because some of these phrases were helpful for me as I studied this book. Number one, I took up the wine. One thing I'm learning about Nehemiah here today is that he had character. No amens on that. It's all right. It was kind of boring. Look, we're not impressed with character because character can seem not really impressive. But, well, friend, let's get more impressed with this idea of character. Character is who you are when nobody's watching. Character is the same person on Sunday same person on Tuesday. Amen. Character is, I'm a believer today. I'm going to be a believer tomorrow. Character is, you know what? I fell down, but I got back up. And I love this fact that here is, here's an, we're getting to look through this lens of the Bible into Nehemiah's life. Him doing his faithful duty. I took up the wine and gave it to the king. I just want to remind you, I've already touched on it, but what a task to, to be Chosen by, in this case, the president to serve him, the king, and to serve him faithfully demonstrated something about character. The king, who oftentimes in this culture would have been very paranoid, right, thinking everybody's trying to poison him, everybody's against him, who's out, who's really for me, who's not, that he would pick Nehemiah is challenging for me. Why should the king pick you? Or would he? Or would he be like, you know what? I don't know if you got the character to be around me. The integrity, the loyalty. I love that he took up the wine. Let me give you, let me give you a few leadership traits. And he gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad 
in his presence. Can you just think about that for a second? Like I saw that, I read past it, I had to read it again. Hold on. That for four months, Nehemiah was broken and burdened. His heart had been arrested for what had happened in his hometown. He is thinking and mourning and and crying and praying and fasting, and yet when he goes to work, he had not been sad in the king's presence. Nehemiah didn't take a sick day. He didn't even take a sad day, amen? The thing I'm learning about Nehemiah is not only did he have character, but he had consistency. Let me put some of these words up on the screen that that could, I think, help us here today. Character, consistency. Let's say it together. Say character, consistency. Oh, we could do better than that. Say character, consistency. If the only thing you got when you leave here today is, you know what, I I gotta go deeper in my character. And I got to get more consistent. You got some really good tangibles at Walk Church today. Character and consistency. Like look, look back at the, the text with me in Nehemiah 2, verses 1 and 2, right? I took up the wine, I got the character, I got the position, and I had not been sad in his presence. I found that, that, that too often we, we let our feelings show too much and in such a way where we don't do our jobs well. Can I just be transparent? Like oftentimes when I'm, I'm trying to help my brothers and sisters in Christ say, hey, look, 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 look. You may work in a secular job. Serve well. Lead well. Don't, don't do it half-heartedly. Go all in. The thing I love about Nehemiah is he's got all types of problems. He's still showing up to work ready. I, I would believe if I did a show of hands, I'm not going to do it. I said, if I said, who all has problems? I bet you everybody would raise their hand. Some type of problems. But, but the thing I love about Nehemiah is just, I'm going beyond my problems. I'm going to still work well. Christian brother or sister, when you go to work tomorrow, you should be the hardest worker in your job. You should be the, 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 the most per- on time, locked in, eye contact, focused, I do my job well, not because I love you so much, because I love my God so much. I'm, I'm speaking to somebody here, even if it's just me. Character and consistency matters. I remember once heard this story about uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer. He was asked this question in an interview. They said, Martin Luther, how do you distinguish between a Christian shoe builder from a non-Christian shoe builder? Martin Luther said, You don't distinguish by which one puts a cross on the shoe. You just distinguish by who built the better shoe. What did he mean by that? He said, for the believer in Christ, we take every opportunity as a grand opportunity. For the person who's following Jesus, have an audience of one mentality. I remember when I was playing college basketball. In my sophomore year, our coaching staff changed. And I went from being one of the starting players to being one of the lowest playing players. And man, that was a challenging time in my life. The idol of sport was shaken in my heart, right? And I remember I was just became a believer. I was growing in the context of the word, trying to figure out what I believed. And I was, I was growing closer to Jesus. And I remember thinking, okay, how do I glorify God from the bench? What a thought, <laughs> 
And I had to train myself to even look and see Jesus in the stands watching me. While I had other teammates, man, I'm going to just unlace my shoes. I ain't going in. You know, hey, man, I'm just going to talk about everybody else and how they're off. I had to train myself. How do I still worship even when I'm not doing what I want to do? How do I still lead? How do I still stay game ready? How do I still not be sad in the huddle? Man, this is whack, bro. Coach is whack, bro. Our, our last coach is better, bro. Nehemiah doesn't have that. The thing that I notice about him is everything in his world is shaken, and he's still showing up to work bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Hey, king, how we doing? I'm here to say, what, what do you want me to taste? I'm a taster. I hope it doesn't kill me, but I'm a taster. I had not been sad in his presence. We don't know quite how long Nehemiah had served the king, but some believe it was several years that he was exiled from his home. He's now landed with this high-profile political job of serving the king and the family. Oftentimes, they believe that the cupbearer would travel with the king, give the king counsel, give the king, because the kings are always eating, right? They're just always walking around. Hey, Nehemiah, eat one of these grapes. <laughs> They're good. Right? The kings are always drinking, always eating. So Nehemiah had to stay really close. So there was this friendship that was built. But I want to just encourage you. It's okay to be friends with lost people. Now, what I'm not saying is you got to compromise conviction. Right? Be a leader. Don't, don't feel like you have to compromise your faith or your values and whatnot. But why, hey, if you work a secular job, can I just say, praise the Lord, we need you. We need you there. We need you working hard. We need you serving. We need you making a difference. How do you know that God's not going to use the, the, the employer to actually do something for the kingdom without the employer even knowing it? You know what? Sometimes I think about, man, I'm so grateful for Steve Jobs. You guys know who Steve Jobs is? Inventor of Apple. Now, I've never heard a testimony of Steve Jobs professing faith in Jesus, but I'm so grateful that Jesus said, I'm going to use you anyway to develop the iPhone so I can have Bible apps get translated all over the world. Hey, listen, God will use all types of people, won't he? He'll use a donkey in the Bible. He'll use all types of different ways and forms and shapes to get and accomplish his mission. If we're wise enough, we'll see it. God's positioned you in a place right now that if you'll serve the season that's on your life and trust him, that you'll see him do something in that space if you'll stay the course, if you'll stay ready, if you'll stay focused, if you'll say, you know what, I'm gonna have character and consistency even if I don't like it. I'm gonna trust the Lord that he's doing something even though I can't see it. That's Nehemiah. I'm sure everything in Nehemiah was like, yo, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I can't keep doing this. At some point, I'm going to taste the wrong thing. Nehemiah is saying, clearly the Lord has me here. I can't figure out fully why, but when my moment comes, I'm going to take it. Let's keep looking. I took up the wine. I gave it to the king. I got character. I had not been sad in his presence because I got consistency. And the king said to me, why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick. This is 
nothing but sadness of the heart. Nehemiah came in on this day and he said, you know, I can't even hide it anymore. I'm broken. It's about four months since he got that original news and just it was weighing on his spirit that it was noticeable and he got afraid. It says, Nehemiah says, and then I got really scared. Some of your translations will say, and I was terrified. Why was Nehemiah so afraid? Because he knew, A, I might lose my job because the king doesn't need somebody sad around him. B, I might just get killed because I probably know too much. And I'm really not too good outside of here. And I'm kind of anxious on what to do at this moment. I love the transparency. I was very much afraid. And he says, so I said to the king, let the king live forever. Can I give you another leadership principle? Hopefully this message is helpful for somebody in the room. It's helpful for me. This right here, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Even the exclamation point, let the king live forever. Kind of an awkward moment, right? Let me go back to my character traits from Nehemiah, right? We see character, consistency, honor. I love this word right here, honor. Brother, sister, we got to get better at honoring one another. That's one of the reasons why I love in every time we gather at some point in our service, we take an intentional moment to honor somebody. Just like Kinsey and KB did earlier. They honored Pastor Stacy and Jackie. One of our students had wrote an honor card. Today, maybe you might want to honor somebody. But I want to encourage you. There's something that's powerful that's tied to honor. Even in your secular environment, even in a non-Christian environment, still choose honor. Two people said, yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at Nehemiah. Who's the model? Nehemiah's the model here. Look, at, look back at the text with me. Nehemiah chapter 2. I said to the king, let the king live forever. This is an intentional, honorable moment. Nehemiah's sad. He's about to share some powerful stuff, and he wants the king to know first, I'm for you. I think we got to do a better job of talking to people that are in authority. Like, be careful on how you talk to your boss. Just putting that out there. Be careful on how you talk to your employer. Why? Because it matters to the Lord. In fact, it might matter to your calling. God might be setting you up for something powerful. Don't ruin it by dishonoring. Does that make sense? You might just spout out the wrong thing and lose the opportunity that God was setting you up for. I love that Nehemiah doesn't say, man, you, this king, he's, he's weak. He's not even a believer. He believes in false gods. I'm going to tell him to his face. No, he's saying, no, I want you to live forever, king. I want you to actually know God. I'm for you. I want to honor you. I want to honor my employer. I want to honor the place that I work for. Friend, Christian, it's okay to have that posture. Am I, are you tracking with me? It's okay to have that posture. I'm learning this. And now he goes into his statement. He says, why should not my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. He asks him, he says, King, first off, I want to declare my loyalty. I want you to live forever. I'll do this job as long as I'm here. I'm for you. But the reason my, my face is sad is that the city that I'm from is destroyed by fire, where my father's and grandfather was buried, is ruined and destroyed. And because of that, I'm sad. Can I just tell you, hey, honesty is powerful. Look what happens next. Then the king said to me, 
What are you requesting? I love this part of the story. What would you say if the king asked you, what are you requesting? What a moment. Here is this man of God named Nehemiah, Hebrew, Israelite, exiled there, sad. The most powerful person in the land there and says, what do you want? What a moment, right? There's a lot of weight on this moment. So what are you requesting? What does Nehemiah do? He goes, I got to go to God. Anybody ever had to do a shotgun prayer? Like, hold on a second. Lord, what do I do? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, this was not an out loud prayer, I don't think. I think this was a prayer in his heart to the Lord. Reignite a prayer life in you that you talk to God anywhere at any time. And you, you have a conversation going. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? It's this type of stuff. Lord, I'm going into this meeting. Lord, I pray you give me strength. Give, give me focus. Help me to pay attention. I don't feel like going. Help me to wake up. Give me energy. I wonder what Nehemiah prayed here. I wonder if Nehemiah was like, oh, snap, Lord. What, what, help me to remember my request. What do I need? Give me the, hey, how about this one? Lord, give me the right words. Lord, hey, so Nehemiah, so what are you requesting? God, give me the words. Here's what I'm requesting. If it pleases the king, I love the intentional honor. I love the disclaimer. Nehemiah says, if, it, if it's pleasing to you, king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, try to find favor with your boss. Try to find favor with your employer. Like, try, Look for moments to meet, make a difference. L look for moments to meet a need. Like maybe if somebody that's in authority in your work environment or maybe at your school, or maybe you hear a teacher that says, huh, I need, to, I need to pick that paper up later. You be the one that says, I'm gonna pick it up right now. Maybe you work in the restaurant industry, or the real estate industry, or the fashion industry. Look for ways to find favor, because that favor may be attached to your calling. I think it's going over somebody's head. God wants to make a difference where he's placed you. You're there for a reason. You're not there in the neighborhood just because you're in the neighborhood. You're there on mission. In this blink of an eye moment that you have, you think God is not intentional where he's placed you? You think God didn't place Nehemiah in Artaxerxes' presence for such a time as this? Don't miss it. I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah on a mission trip to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. What an ask, right? What a bold statement. Who knew Nehemiah was in real estate, construction? This guy's a builder. This guy's a cupbearer. He probably doesn't fully know all that he's even gonna do. He's moving by faith. But he had the consistency, character, and honor to back him up. All of that might be working for the big ask. Babylonian king, here's what I want you to do. I'm trying to go take a mission trip, I'm trying to go back to my hometown, and I want you to pay for it. I want you to send me. 
Nehemiah is not sent by his local church. Nehemiah is sent by the king who doesn't believe any of what he believes. But because of Nehemiah's lifestyle, he believes it. He goes, I'm going to do it. Watch this. To rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting behind him. The parentheses are key, right? Because at any moment, the queen would say, kill this dude. Get, who is this guy? He's supposed to be the cupbearer. You're going to leave? Like, I wonder if the king was like, what should we do? Like the queen sitting beside him. I, hey, I'm glad that Nehemiah found favor, not just with the king, but also with the queen. Like, he's not shading his boss's wife, right? Come on. The queen sitting beside him. I wonder if the king was like, what do you think we should do? And the queen was like, he's trustworthy. Send him. Let him do his thing. How long will you be gone? And when will you return? Yes! That's a great statement, amen? Yes. That's a great answer. Like, I wonder if Nehemiah was like, here's my head, cut it off. <laughs> So basically, I'm asking if I can go back to where I was exiled from, and I'm going to go rebuild this wall, I'm going to come back. <laughs> yeah, right. Because he had the lifestyle, the character, the consistency, the favor, the honor, the king goes, when are you coming back? It, it pleased the king to send me. What a moment. How long will you be gone? When will you return? Here's why it pleased the king. Because Nehemiah gave him a time. Nehemiah had a plan. He said, you know what? Check this out. I'm going to go do this mission. I'm going to go rebuild the wall for my fathers, my great-grandfathers, and for the Lord God himself. I'm going to get things back on track, and I'm going to come back and serve you. What a dude, amen? Like, there's so much we can grab from Nehemiah's life. So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Verse 7, and I said to the king, now, now listen, church, can I just say something? At that point, I would have probably been like, <laughs> yeah, like, I would have been skipping out of there. Nehemiah, he's got faith. Nehemiah said, hey, actually, one more, wait, 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 wait one more thing. King Artaxerxes, watch verse 7. He says, if it, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And, I wonder if king's like, wait, what, another? And also a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. The thing I love about Nehemiah is for the past four months, he ain't been chilling. He's been strategizing. He's been working on a business plan. He's been getting, I can see Nehemiah going to sleep in this foreign land. He's got this map on his little one-bedroom apartment where he's like, all right, if I'm going to cross through this foreign city, Citadel, if I, to get back to Jerusalem, i got to go through the beyond the river. <laughs> Sounds like some, some wild imagination. It's through the swirly-twirly gumdrops, you know? <laughs> i gotta go, I gotta go, I got to go beyond the river. I gotta, if I can make it past there, well, then I'm going to have to get past Asaph, but if I got a letter from the king... And if the king grants me a license to chop down some wood, then I might get some timber. I could then make the gates myself, build myself a house. 
and then start restoring the wall, I got a plan. The thing I love about Nehemiah, he's doing three Ps. Everybody say three Ps. Pray, plan, prepare. The thing that was setting Nehemiah up for a victory here, yeah, he had the character. He had the consistency. He had the honor. He had the passion. He had the transparency. But even more than that, he had prayer. He was a prayed up leader. He had plans. He had been working on it, and he was prepared. Like, I'm so grateful that Nehemiah in this story doesn't go, um, all right, I don't know where to go. I'm going to just go try this. Lord, guide me into the dark. I think God blesses planning. Amen? God blesses preparation. Coach John Wooden, he once said it best, right? Failing to plan, planning to fail. Failing to prepare, preparing to fail. The king granted me what I had asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. Evidence, hear me church, we're almost done. Evidence of God's hand upon Nehemiah was tethered to the fact that the king showed him favor. God's hand may be upon you by giving you favor in your workplace. God's hand may be upon you by giving you that promotion so you can have more influence, have more opportunity to make a difference. Church, don't miss this from Nehemiah because this might have to call for a lifestyle change for you going forward. Like the place that you work at, serve at, whatever that may be, you might say, you know, I'm going in different. I'm, I'm making a difference. Man, you know what? I, I, I just want to even honor somebody. I just got this memory just now. I, I should have honored him earlier. There's a, a, a brother in our church who serves in the restaurant industry. He called me the other day to tell me this testimony. I'm just having a memory of it. He goes, dude, I, I'm so excited right now. He goes, because when I first got this job at this restaurant, all my coworkers were weird and mean to me and treated me like I was just this bad employee. And I just realized I had to give it to God. And he goes, now three months later, one of those same guys pulled me aside and said, hey, man, I want to apologize to you. He goes, we didn't like you when you came because you were different. So we conspired a plan to get you to quit. But we didn't tell, we didn't tell you that, but I realized that you've been just faithfully pressing through. You didn't quit, and now I'm learning from you. And... My bad, bro. Thank you for not quitting. Right? And I was, and me, I was like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. It's dope, bro. Praise the Lord. Because your lifestyle matters. Way to endure through struggle. But I'm thinking, that's Nehemiah stuff. I shared all that with you. I didn't even share the title of my sermon. It was a long introduction, amen? It was a strong introduction. Y'all just got the whole intro. Some of y'all clapping for that. Other years, uh, I'm not coming back here. I'm not coming back. Don't click offline. We got a little bit more to go. The title of my sermon today is Just Go For It. Just go for it. Amen? Just go for it. I love this right here. I love this right here. Just go for it. Come on, even look at the person next to you right now and say, hey. Tell them, say, hey, just go for it. Come on, hit the other side and be like, yo, I want, I'm talking to you. Just go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. Oh, I think I got a new wristband idea. Just go for it. I need to just see that. Just go for it. 
When I was reading this, I saw Nehemiah. He had the lifestyle, the character, the honor, the consistency. He said, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm so glad that when the king said, hey, Nehemiah, why are you sad? I, it's, sad you're not, you know, it's not like you have a cold, but you kind of have like a, a sadness to you. I'm glad that Nehemiah didn't. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm glad he went for it. I'm glad he said, you know what? Here's why I'm sad. And, and I want you to live forever, king. I'm for you. But I'm sad because of this. God has given me a burden, a dream, a vision on my heart. I want to go rebuild a wall. And I need you to help me do that, king. And the king was so inspired, he said, I'm going to let you do it. I'm even going to give you a letter to the governor to let you do it. I'm even going to give you a pass so that you can go chop down some wood, get some timber, and build yourself a crib. Amen? I love that right there. Just go for it. What has God put in your heart? That's what I wanted to ask you today. High school students, middle school students, senior citizens, adults, singles, married couples. What has God put in your heart? I believe he's put something in your heart. We're going to learn in the next few weeks. Nehemiah, he uses that phrase. He goes, when God put this in my heart. I believe that there's some books that are in your heart in this room right now. That you might have a church in your heart. You might have a charge group in your heart. There was a lady that came up to me after the 9 a.m. service. She goes, you know what? I got a group in my heart for kids in the hood, and specifically their mamas. I said, just go for it. Oh, just go for it. So I, I, it's in my heart. You could have a God dream. You could have a God dream. This this is the moment you have permission to go for it. <laughs> like, I want to encourage you to go for it. Now, if you don't have the, the lifestyle, it's not going to match. But maybe you start taking steps toward it. Maybe you start righting some wrongs. Maybe, you're, maybe some relationships need to heal. Maybe you need to become the honoring leader, become the consistent character that you're reading about Nehemiah so you can go for it. Friend, I want to encourage you to just... Go for it. Now, I got two points. All right, two points and we're done. Everybody say two. two. Yeah. All right, so it can't be three. It's going to be two. We'll pick it up where we left off next week. All right? Yeah. Two points. When you just go for it, one thing to expect is God's provision. Here's what you can expect. If you just go for it, if you make the decision and you just say, you know what? There's a dream in my heart. I'm just going to go for it. I got a vision, I got an idea, I'm gonna go for it. I took Pastor Hyden's recommendation and his challenge. Here's what you can expect. You can expect God to provide. I love how Pastor Vance Pittman says it, where God guides, God provides. It's so true. I've found that along this journey of church planning more than ever, when you take a step on where God's guiding, you'll see God's hand providing. In fact, I'll say it like this. Where you have God vision, God has provision. What's provision? Great question. Let me give it to you. Here's provision. Three, three definitions from Webster's. Provision is the act or process of supplying or providing something. Hear me when I say this. When you step out on a God vision, God will step out and supply and provide everything you need. God vision, God's provision. And let me remind you, he has enough in his storehouse to accomplish the vision he's given you. Something that is done in advance to prepare for something else. 
if God's given you a vision, a dream, an idea, a thought, a, a vision, ooh, a vision, a burden. Nehemiah was arrested with this burden. I have to go do this. Right? There's a lot of things you can do, but what do, what, what, what do you have to do? This was Nehemiah. I have to go rebuild the wall. Right? What he didn't know is that God's already working. God's already putting things and people into places, getting you ready, getting things ready for such a time as this for Nehemiah. I wanna encourage you, if you got an idea or a vision, just know that on the, on the other side, God's already working it together. God's already talking to somebody about you to accomplish the vision he's given you. Provision to supply of food and other things that are needed. Walk church, hear me, because I believe there's some God dreams that are gonna start to unloose and unlock in this room. Yeah. We're gonna start to hear some stories about some businesses, some groups, some churches, some leaders, some callings. And I want to just say, man, I'm, I'm excited to hear the provision stories about how God did over and above what we could ask or think. Are you excited about that with me? Let's go for it, amen? Just go for it. Tell the person next to you, just go for it. Just go put it in the chat. Just go for it. I love how Dr. Tony Evans says it. He says it like this. God's path will never lack God's provision. God's path for you will never lack God's provision for you. God has a vision for you. And God will provide everything you need for that vision to be accomplished. Now, I'm realizing this more and more. I can remember being a middle school student in this room. Who would have thought that God had more vision than that for this room? For me, at least. Right? Come on. But, but believing for that, that, that there's something in your heart. Like this year, I got ideas and dreams that are just in my heart right now, but I believe we're going to see them. Just in my heart, I just want to see God do it. But I believe you have something in your heart. Could be a relationship. Could be a person. It could be a business. It could be a dream. It could be a song. God may use you to write a song, develop a clothing line, start a ministry, write the book. I want to be a part of it. Amen. Come on, let's not just play church, right? Let's go do some God stuff. Take a step. God's path will never lack God's provision. I love it how the famous global missionary Hudson Taylor, who brought the gospel to the unreached people groups of the world, he says, God's work done God's way will never lack God's provision. If you put your yes on the table and say, I'm going to do God's work and I'm going to do it God's way, you will not lack God's provision. Amen? Can I give you the second and final point? And then you know when I start to do this, it's, it's, we're on our way out, all right? <laughs> Let me give you the second and final point. You can expect God's provision. You can expect the world's persecution. As you take a step, the enemy will take a step. The op, the opposition will not like the reality that you're about to do something with your life. The enemy is fully content as long as you just are on cruise control, autopilot, you never make a difference, you never challenge or threaten the enemy's kingdom. At this point, right, the, the op has went inside, has invaded the, the people of God, has exiled the people of God, has destroyed the wall. Now Nehemiah is saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and change that narrative. I'm going to make a difference. 
And I love what happens here. He goes into the persecution. I mean, look at it with me in Nehemiah 2.10. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, whoa, somebody's coming to rebuild? Somebody's got enough faith to challenge us? Somebody's on their way? It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Great displeasure happened because of this step that Nehemiah was taking. And I just want to warn you, you take a step, you're going to rattle some of the enemy and kingdom of darkness. But go ahead and rattle that thing up. Because, friend, we're on the winning team. We're on the triumphal team of Jesus. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word, right? The, the reality is that we don't have to earn our salvation. We already have our salvation. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a position of victory. Jesus is our champion. We know where we're going. Amen. Read the end of the book. So go ahead and dream big and do something big. With this short amount of time you have on this earth, why not just go for it? There's this unpopular promise in 2 Timothy that says it like this. In fact, come on, somebody say facts. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There will be some type of persecution that will follow your step of faith. But let that just be evidence that you're stepping out in faith. If you're just skipping through your Christian life and you're like, man, this is actually pretty easy. I really don't have nothing to pray for. I don't. It's kind of just rosy, peachy, everything's great. I'm living my best life. I'm just, you know. You might be doing something wrong. <laughs> the enemy could care less about you. But when you start shaking it up, when you start making a difference, you start acting upon the dream that God has put in your heart. Expect persecution, but expect God's provision and watch him work. If you got all that, say, I got it. Come on, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time today. I thank you that we're getting to know Nehemiah's story. God, there was leadership things that were unlocked today. There was, there was dreams and visions that are starting to get rebirth, circulating. And Lord, right now, I just want to pray for everybody that's in the room and everybody that's watching. Lord, help us. We need you, God. And I pray if there's somebody here right now that does not know Jesus as their champion, that does not know Jesus as the Lord and the Savior that bought them with his precious blood, who shed his blood on the tree for your forgiveness. If you don't know him today, get to know him. That right now you can call upon his name and say, Jesus, I believe I'm ready to be saved. Heal me, change me, set me free. Just right now, surrender your life to him. Just right now, say, Lord, save me. Lord, change me, help me. I'm ready. I'm ready. I put my faith in you. It's not about what I could do. It's about what you've already done for me. It's no longer I who live. It's now Christ who lives in me. I receive you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Somebody's making